welcome to the broadcast of Crosstown Church of Memphis. We are a church that is Christ-centered, diversity-driven, and community-committed. A church that's bringing people together, sharing God's message of hope, love, and service. We seek to love God, love people, and serve the city. We welcome you to our broadcast with Pastor Byron Fitzpatrick. Amen. Well, today we are starting a brand new teaching series. And uh, it's titled, for those of you that are taking notes, it's titled, Let the Good Work Begin. Amen. And uh, the subtitle for today's message is titled, I Can't No More. Um, so, in a, you know, in our society today, you know, in, in our world today, the world has a tendency to uh, draw its attention to, you know, people who we would say are the most likely candidate. It tends to draw its attention to people, you know, um, that fits in a certain type of category and it'll, it'll pick accordingly. Um, you know, it looks for the people who are the best of the best. It looks for people who are the brightest, people who are the stars, people who are the, you know, the big leaders and so forth. You know, it's almost like our society, our world is is built in this way where if you remember as a child being at, on the playground at school or in, in your neighborhood at the park and you want to play kickball or you want to play, you know, uh, football or, or, or different things, different games, and we all had to stand in line, you know, or stand around and and two people would pick and those two people would start on picking and they would look for, you know, those people that was the fastest, those people that were the strongest, those people that was the biggest or whatever, uh, uh, based on what it is that they were playing and so forth. Those people that are, you know, like the stars or whatever, you know, and, and it would pick accordingly. And then you would have, you know, as as the picking would goes go along, then the people that are left seem to be the ones that was like, you know, the mm -hmm. everyday, ordinary people. See, like, you know, society has a way of doing that to us. And that's, you know, it's just the way things are. It's, it's looking for the biggest, it's looking for the best, it's looking for the brightest, it's looking for those stars. You know, in sports, it's looking for the strongest, the fastest, it's looking for the ones that's got the highest physical and mental endurance levels. And entertainment is looking for you know, uh, it's physical appearance has a lot to do with entertainment as well. You know, it has to do with uh, they're looking for, you know, your vocal abilities, your acting, your dancing abilities, even in business, our appearance, you know, the way that we dress, the way that we wear our our clothes, the way that we wear our hair, even the way that we speak, the way that we move. It all has a huge impact on our chances of getting picked. And guess what? It's just the way things are. It's just the way it is. As much as we may not agree with it, as much as we may not like it, the reality is that's just the way things are. Amen. It doesn't always work in our favor. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. If you are one who falls into those categories of being the biggest, the best, the being the, 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 the brightest, the smartest, the, the, the star type person, you know, the fastest, if you fall into those categories, I want you to know this, that God can and he will use you. Amen. 
If it just so happens that you don't fall into one of those categories, I want you to know this. Thank God that we have a father that's not like society. Amen. We have a father that specializes in using everyday, ordinary people just like you and me. Amen. We don't have to be the, the brightest. We don't have to be the fastest. We don't have to be that star status person. We don't have to be, you know, the best speaker or whatever, or, or the best dress or the best look. We don't have, we could be everyday, ordinary people. And God specializes in using people just like us. He's not looking for the strongest. He's not looking for the fastest. He's not looking for the smartest. He's not looking for the superstar. God is looking for those that are willing and committed. Amen? Amen. Willing and committed are two strong character traits that God is looking for when he makes the decision to use somebody, when he makes the decision to pick somebody, when there's a, a lineup of people and he's looking, who, who, who am I going to pick? He's looking for the one that's willing. He's looking for the one that is committed. Amen. If you, if you, if you are someone who believes deep down on the inside of you, that you were created for something more than what you have experienced up until this point in life, then this message is for you. If you believe that you were born for a purpose, if you believe that you were created by God to do something that matters, something that's eternal, something that will last forever, this message is for you. Over the next several weeks, again, we're starting a brand new series. So over the next several weeks, this is what I'm asking of each and every one of you to do. I'm asking that you would open up your heart to God, open up yourself to God. I'm asking that you would have faith, that you would step out and that uh, uh, be, do something that will make a difference. Be willing to do something that will last forever. OK, so let me repeat that again. Over the next several weeks, I'm asking you to open up yourself to God, open up your heart to God, have faith and step out and do something that will make a difference and something that will last forever. But 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 before you make that commitment before you commit. Oh, I thought I hit the button. There she go. Before you make that commitment, amen. This is what I need to warn you. I need to warn you about something. Before you open up your heart to God, before you step out on faith, before you decide to do something that, that's different, that will make a difference, something that will last forever, I need to warn you that whenever you let God use you, it comes with a price. It comes with a price. Whenever you take a leap of faith, whenever you take a leap of faith, guess what? You're going to fall before you soar. If you if you if you if you have seen those people, they have those uh, uh, like those parachute suits and they be on cliffs uh, and then they they jump off the cliff and, and they, they, they decide to take that leap. And when they take that leap, you know what happens to them? They fall first. But then all of a sudden that parachute kicks in. They open up and that parachute kicks in. And then they take off and they just they just soar through the, through the uh, sky. Whenever you take a leap of faith, you're going to fall first. But eventually what's going to happen is you're going to soar. You're going to take off. You see a, a lot of birds. If you pay attention to birds, when birds take off, they're standing on a branch and they take off. You see them take a slight dip first and then they they take off. There's always a slight dip. There's always a slight fall before. So I'm warning you before you. 
before you take that leap of faith with God, just know you're going to fall first before you soar. Okay. You're going to experience some pain when it comes to uh, uh, following God, when it comes to trusting God, when it comes to taking that leap of faith, you're going to experience some pain. You're going to experience some uh, rejection. You're going to experience some heartache, some failure, some loneliness. You're going to experience some doubt and some discouragement. This doesn't sound good, do it, guys. It makes us, why, why would we do that? Why would it? it it's going to happen. I, I, can, I can recall so many times in my life where I took a leap of faith because I knew that God had something bigger for me. So God had something better for me. God was pushing me to jump off the cliff. He was pushing me to take a leap of faith. And in that, I knew, I knew this is, this is not going to be easy. There's going to come some pain, some pain, some rejection, some heartache, failures, some long times of loneliness, doubt, discouragement is all going to take place in here. And guess what? I've experienced them all. I, 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 there's times where I thought I was by myself, lonely days in a dark room. Nobody is there for me. No, I, I, even my own wife, I felt like I felt like totally alone. And, and then what happens is, you know, people here, here, people, are, are, they'll laugh at you. People will misunderstand you. People will make fun of you. They'll call you names. I remember somebody called me Benedict Arnold one time. Mm -hmm. You're Benedict Arnold. I, I mean, I, I've, I've had I had I've had so much thrown at me. And, and But here's the deal. But when you see the impact of your sacrifices and, and your commitments on the lives of other people, when you see the glory that, that God got because of the, the, the leap of faith that you took, when you see that happens, the joy that you will experience will overshadow all the price that you had to pay. It will the joy that you see that you will experience. It will overshadow those people laughing at you and misunderstanding you. Those people that make fun of you. It it overshadow all of the discouragement, all of the pain, all of the days of loneliness. When you see people's lives being impacted and changed, when you see God getting the glory, undeniable. You like is it was worth it all. It was worth it all. You may feel like an ordinary everyday person. You may feel like you're not gifted or talented, but you are the exact type of person that God loves to use. Amen. Amen. That's my encouragement. You are the exact type of person that God loves to use. Amen. So that was the preface or the introduction to this <laughs> series that we're about to get into. So I want you to take that mindset for the next several weeks. Okay. Open up your heart to God. Open up your heart to God. Take, take, be willing to, 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 to take these things, look at these things that we're going to be talking about and, and say, okay, I'm, I, 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 am I willing to take that leap of faith and to do what God is, is pushing me, urging me to do? There's something bigger that, that, that God created, created me for. There's a purpose that God, I want to do something that matters, something that makes a difference. We're going to, Hopefully do that. So the title of the series, again, is Let the Good Work Begin. The subtitle of today's message is I Can't No More. I want to let you guys know today's message is not necessarily a pretty message, okay? <laughs> the subtitle, again, is I Can't No More. Have you ever been so fed up with something that you can't, that you just couldn't stand by and watch it anymore? You know, getting to that place, it moves you to do something about it. 
Sometimes there's situations in our lives, situations in our communities, situations in our families, even on our jobs. And, and we, 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 we watched, you know, the, 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 the mess. We watched the mess for so long. And then we get to a place where I, I just can't do this no more. I can't do this more. I got to do something about this. I, I'm, I, I just can't no more. And when that happens, when you get to that place where you say, I can't no more, it moves you to do something about it. Amen. Put So I want you all to turn your Bibles to the book of Nehemiah. We're going to be talking about Nehemiah for the next four, maybe five weeks, but at least four weeks. We're going to be talking about Nehemiah. So turn your books to the uh, turn your Bibles to the book of Nehemiah, uh, chapter one. And what we're going to do is we're just going to walk through the book of Nehemiah during this during this uh, series. OK, so here's who Nehemiah is. Nehemiah, he was just an ordinary guy. An ordinary, everyday guy. He wasn't anyone special. He wasn't a pastor. He wasn't a priest. He wasn't a king. He wasn't a prophet. He wasn't a warrior. He wasn't the fastest or the strongest. He wasn't the brightest. He wasn't a superstar or anything like that. He was just an everyday, ordinary guy. And, and he was into him being an everyday, ordinary guy that something broke his heart to the point where he had to do something about it. Something, something hit him. He, he got to a place where he said, I just can't no more. Although he was just an everyday, ordinary guy, he did though, he did, however, have a unique job, okay? He was a cupbearer to the king of Persia. And a cupbearer for, you know, we hear the word cupbearer and sometimes we just know it's a servant to a high-ranking person or whatever. Yeah, it's a servant to a high-ranking person. So he's a cupbearer. Uh, to the king, to the royal court, you know, and his job was to pour drinks, basically to pour drinks uh, for the king and the queen and, and the royal, you know, the royal court, uh, serve food or whatever. But so he was a cupbearer, you know, picture this, you know, those people, when you have the these high dignitaries or kings or royal people, and they're sitting at a table and they're eating and there's someone that's always standing there in a particular uniform. And they always have this white towel draped over their arm, right? And they're just standing there like, just like a statue. And, 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 and everybody else is eating and then the drinks come and they might even direct the, the servers to put the plates down and put the foods down in particular places. In other words, whenever food and drinks are being brought out to the table, they are the ones who are instructing, they're, they're orchestrating where things go. When when drinks and foods and stuff come out, they're okay, they're control, they're watching all of this and they're making sure, okay, this is where things need to go. The drink, okay, the drinks come, I'm going to pour the drinks, okay, and 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 they have teleservice. Okay, that's what a cupbearer does. Okay, a cupbearer because of the constant threat on kings and queens, there's always a constant threat to poison them. Somebody's always want to overthrow a king, always want to overthrow a queen or whatever. So this person that's the cupbearer, they have to be extremely trustworthy because that, that king and that queen, they are trusting this person with their life, okay? They, they have to be a very extremely trustworthy person. A cupbearer is also someone who is in constant and close access to the king and the, and, and the queen constantly. They're right there beside them all the time, it seems. They're, 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 and, and when they're sitting there and they're having their meals and they're eating and the cupbearer is serving them and what have you, the cupbearer is overhearing all the conversations, uh, uh, overhearing everything. 
And these are very private conversations, some very confidential conversations. Think about the president and the president be sitting at the table, you know, and and uh, uh, and that you got somebody that's serving them. Ain't no telling what that person is hearing. They're they're talking about some stuff, some real confidential, what they call it, um, uh, 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 the the in here in the United States, you have that high confidential uh, information. Like Donald Trump is in trouble for it right now because he took all these boxes. What they call it? Um, my mind drew a blank right now. But a cupbearer is hearing all this information, all this confidential stuff. Classified. Huh? Classified, classified information. Yeah. All this classified information, all right? They so they not only have not only have to be trustworthy enough to make sure that the king's drinks are safe, but they also have to be extremely trustworthy to keep all of those heard conversations totally confidential. So Nehemiah being a cupbearer, there's something that we know about him. We know that he's an extremely trustworthy person. We know that much about him. He can, you can count on him. You can trust him. They were, the king of Persia trusted Nehemiah with his life. Okay. Even though, even though he was just a cupbearer, even though he was a cupbearer to the king, at, at the end of the day, guess what? He's still just an ordinary everyday guy. You may have a certain position or a certain title on your job, but at the end of the day, you're still just an everyday, ordinary man or woman. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Amen. Just wave your hand if you know what I'm talking about. Amen. Chapter one, Nehemiah. So let's get into this. Chapter one, Nehemiah. What's the time on it? Okay. Chapter one, Nehemiah says this. Nehemiah, he's having just another ordinary day. Just another ordinary day. Nothing special about this day. And in, in, in chapter one, verse number two, it reads this. It says this. It says, Han and I, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. So, so Nehemiah's brother and some of his friends, they went to Judah. Judah is the region where uh, the Hebrews, the Israelites, you know, the, the, what, they, what you would call the promised land. OK, today is known as Israel. All right. They had just come back from Israel. And it says, goes on to read, he says, I asked them about the Jews who had returned from uh, from captivity and about how things were going. So let me explain to you what's what's happening here. So the Jews, they had been in exile. They were in captivity in Babylonia. You guys probably remember, you know, the, the nation of Israel, the, the Jews in captivity. They're in exile. They're not in Israel. They're not in Ju in the land of the region of Judah. They're in other countries, other nations because of, you know, because of war. They're taken into captivity and they're, they're in exile. So they're in Babylonia. You know, uh, some of you guys probably remember King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, you probably remember the three Hebrew Hebrew boys, brothers. Probably remember Daniel in the lion's den, uh, uh, the fiery furnace, you know, all this stuff. That All of that took place in Babylonia. OK, so the Jews were in captivity in Babylonia. But but during the days of Nehemiah. The captivity time, this captivity time was over, okay? And so the Jews, they were scattered all over the place. They were some everywhere, all right? About five, about 50,000 of them, about 50,000, a very small number of Jews actually went back to Jerusalem, went back to, 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 the, to the area. They went back to the city of Jerusalem. When they got back to the city of Jerusalem, it was in ruins. It was in shambles. A lot of buildings burnt down, tore down, destruction everywhere because of war. OK, the city was just left abandoned and torn down. 
if you guys, if you you can relate to it today in uh, Croatia, Russia and Croatia right now in war. And we see in constant images in Croatia where buildings, homes, really? I mean, where, where you had thriving metropolitan life going on. Major commerce areas. I mean, just like we have here in, the, in Memphis. Now, just imagine the images that we see in Croatia right now today of the total destruction that, that we see in there. I mean, damage everywhere. Charred cars, charred buildings, you know, all kinds of remains of dead bodies all over the place. OK, imagine Memphis, a city just gone like that. So this is what they saw when they went back to Jerusalem. They saw total destruction. They saw remains of all kinds just destroyed destruction. So they go back about 50,000, go back to Jerusalem. And in there, they're trying to rebuild the city. They're trying to rebuild the city, trying to repair the roads. They're trying to rebuild homes, uh, rebuild the infrastructure. They're trying to establish, you know, a commerce so that they can have a bring back, bring, bring, you know, establish an, an economy, economy, you know, so they had to rebuild everything. And so, uh, 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 Nehemiah's brother and some of his friends, they had actually went there to visit for whatever reason. And when they got there, they saw this is a mess. This is this. This is ain't no way in the world. These people are going to be able to rebuild this. All right. So even the wall, they had a wall around the city of Jerusalem, a great wall around the city. And it, the wall was used for protection. Right. Even the wall had been torn down, which left those people that was there vulnerable for threat. All right. Anybody can come in and, you know, challenge them or do whatever. So they told Nehemiah about this and he told him that Nehemiah is not going good, man. It, it's not going. The people there, they just don't have the resources to rebuild and they're in trouble. They don't have the wall up. Anybody can just come in and just, you know, trample all over them. It's bad. So in verse number four, chapter one, verse number four, Nehemiah says this. It says, when I heard this, I sat down, I wept. He said, I sat down and wept. He said, in fact, for days I mourned, I fast, I prayed to God. This situation in Jerusalem, it broke Nehemiah's heart to the point where he could not take it anymore. He was fed up and he said, I can't no more. I can't, I can't, I, I, my heart is just broken over this situation. My heart is broken for my people that, that, that there's no way they can do this. He could not continue to sit by and to do nothing. He wanted to make a difference. This is the turning point. This becomes a turning point for Nehemiah. He's just an everyday, ordinary guy. He's the cupbearer for the king. He, he, I mean, you know, even though he got that unique position, he's still just an ordinary guy, right? And he, he, he's moving to this place. He's having a turning point in his life. He said, I, I can't no more. I can't do this no more. He said, he realized, he said, he felt like he was meant for something more. He was meant for something more than just a cup bearer. His heart was broken. He knew that he, he was created for a purpose. He knew that he was created for something bigger than what he had experienced up until this point, up until this point, something more than just a cup. He wanted to do something that could last forever, something that could help the people of, of, of that was in Jerusalem, not only help the people of Jerusalem, but help the Jews, period. Amen. So he goes on here in, in, in the scripture here. He says, then I said, then it, when Nehemiah got to this point where he can't no more, I can't do this no more. Heart is broken. He said this in his prayer. And one of his prayers in Nehemiah, he said this. He says, he says a prayer. I'm not going to read the whole prayer. You can, you can go to the description. Read, but I'm going to kind of summarize what he did in his prayer. Okay. He acknowledged God 
for who he was. He acknowledged God for being the God of heaven and the keeper of the covenant. Father, God, you are the God of heaven. You are the keeper of the covenant. Amen. He confessed his sins and he also confessed the sins of his family. He said, Father God, I have sinned against you. My family has sinned against you. You know, we as, as, as Jews, we have sinned against you, which is uh, partly responsible uh, 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 why we have been in exile while we have been in captivity, while our city is in destruction right now, it's partly because of our sins, you know? He said, there, there's some things that we did. We, we, we're not responsible for all of this stuff, but we, we do have a responsibility in this. And so he confessed his sins and he confessed the sins of his family. And then he goes on and he see in his prayer, he reminded God of his promises towards his people. God, these are the promises that you made for us. These are the promises that you made to your people. And he said that it, he said, if, if you return to him, you made a promise that if we was, was to return to you and obey your commands, that you will restore our people and that you will, you will bring us to the place that you have promised us to, that you will, your promises will still be valid in our lives. They will still be in place. All we have to do is return back to you. After acknowledging that God, uh, uh, after acknowledging God, confessing their sins and reminding God of his promises, he made this request to God. So first thing he did, he acknowledged God, he confessed his sins and he reminded God of the promises. OK, then he does this. And this is what he does in his prayer in number uh, verse number 11. OK, he says, oh, Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those who delight in you uh, or delight in honoring you. He says, please grant me success today. Listen, people. He says, please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. Wow. Listen, listen to his prayer, y'all. He says, grant me success today. What was success, what was success for Nehemiah? He, he's fed up. He can't take it no more. The, the, his people is scattered all over the place. The city is torn down. I, I can't, I can't. His heart is broken. Give me success today. What does success look like? By making the king favorable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. Who is this king? King of Persia the king of Persia, an unlikely source to help the Jews, an unlikely source to help rebuild Judah, an unlikely source to help build Jerusalem. And he asked for it in chapter number two. In chapter number two, Nehemiah, he's serving the king. And while he's serving the king and the queen, the king notices that something is wrong with Nehemiah. He's not his normal self today. Something, something's bothering him. So the king asked him, he says, Nehemiah, what's wrong with you? And Nehemiah begins to uh, uh, explain to him what's going on. He tells him that his city, the city of Jerusalem, is in shambles because of, you know, past, past war or whatever. It's in shambles. And he told him that some of the people have returned back there and they're trying to rebuild the city, but they just don't have the resources to do it. They don't have the manpower. They don't have the money. They don't have the, they don't, they don't have nothing. They, they're doing the best they can, but it's a mess and they need some help. The king, he responds, he says, what can I do to help? What can I do to help? 
<laughs> God answers prayers, y'all. Amen. God yes, answers is. prayer. And Nehemiah, he also asked the king, he says, he said, he asked the king this. He said, allow me, your cupbearer, to go to Jerusalem and organize the rebuilding of the city. He asked him, he said, and, and he said, and, and the king had asked him, he said, how long do you think this would take? And Nehemiah, uh, it doesn't say in the scripture how long he said, but Nehemiah gives him a time frame. The king and the queen looked at him and says, okay, go. He also asked, he said, okay, thank you. He said, he said, I, I need to ask for some more. I need some help. I need some more help. He said, I'm asking, can you give me some letters? Because I have to travel through these other lands, these other nations, regions. And he said, can you give me some letters so that I can travel safely so they won't bother me? Okay. He said, and also, can you, the, the surrounding uh, cities and surrounding regions around Judah, around Jerusalem, can you, can you send letters to them also and request that they would give us some lumber and some supplies so that we can help build, rebuild the city? He said, we, you know, we, we don't, there's nothing there. They don't have anything. They got, they got to go to these places to buy it and they don't have the money to buy it. So can you send letters to them and request that they would make a donation and donate some of the supplies to us so that we can rebuild the city. And so the king, he grants him his request. So he gave, give him some letters. He lets him go on his way. And he sends letters to these other neighboring uh, 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 cities to donate, you know, materials, building materials to uh, uh, Nehemiah so that they can rebuild the city. OK. And the king also does this. The king also, he says, I'm going to send some soldiers with you, one, to keep you safe. And two, to help you to do the work. Okay. Wow. Nehemiah prayed for favor. Pray, pray for favor from the king. What the king do? The king shows him immense flavor, uh, uh, favor. Immense yeah. favor. Amen. So here, we're finna, I'm going to try to bring this real fast. I still got a lot to talk about, but I'm trying to bring this real fast to a closure because I want to be done by my expected time. I want to be done. Okay. You know, one of the things that I do when I when I teach is I like to there's three questions that you guys should be familiar with now that I like to ask. And those three questions is who is it talking to? What is it talking about? And how does it apply to us? All right. So let's let's quickly do this. Nehemiah is talking to God. And then secondly, he's talking to the king. This whole situation, the whole book of Nehemiah is talking about and dealing with the rebuilding of the city of Jerusalem. The whole book of Nehemiah, everything around it, centered around it, is talking about the rebuilding of the city of Jerusalem. OK, there's a lot of things that happen in there, but that's what it's talking about. Now, how does this apply to us? This is how it applies to us. I don't know about you, but I can't know more. I'm at a place that Nehemiah was at. I'm at a place of. I, 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 my heart is broken. I'm at a place where, you know, uh, I, I can't stand by anymore. I got to do something. I have to do something. Okay. I can't continue to go down this path that we're going and, and, and see the things that God has given us in shambles. I can't do it no more. Now, now what, 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 what am I talking about when I say this? I'm talking about one thing primarily, but I'm talking about Two things. OK. So I'm, I'm going to stick with the, the primary thing right now and I'll get to the, the secondary thing later. I'm talking when I say us, I'm talking about Crosstown Church. I'm talking about Crosstown Church. OK, we 
when we started Crosstown Church, we were doing good in the beginning. We were doing good at one point. Our attendance was slowly growing. You know, our, our finances was growing. We we weren't suffering. We weren't at in lack of anything. You know, we were seeing some progress taking place. You know, we had moved into a larger space. We started in a smaller space and then we moved into a larger space. Uh, um, you know, uh, uh, so I don't have to explain all it to you. You guys know what I'm talking about. People's lives seemed to be getting better. People were, you know, some people that had had come were, you know, uh, some lives were changing. You know, things were like, man, this is good. This is good. We could we could see, you know, the benefits of what we're what we're doing right here. You know, we got off to a really good start. Okay, then then at some point we started to experience a little decline. In our decline, what we experienced was our attendance. You know, even though our attendance was slowly increasing. You know, it it it, it 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 was still increasing, but it was slowly increasing. Our finances had began to drop off. Our giving had began to drop off. So our numbers were increasing a little bit, but our our finances was going down, and it went down to a place where we could no longer afford the space, the larger space that we was in, and we had to make a move, and we moved back to the smaller space that we had actually started in. You know, that wasn't necessarily a, a bad thing in itself. Because as soon as we moved back to the smaller space, the pandemic hit. It hit. So, so it's like, man, maybe God knew that this pandemic was about to hit. So, you know, even in our situation, he's like, well, we, let's, let's just go back over here. We made the decision to go back over. Let's try to reserve the finances that we had because we didn't know the pandemic was about to hit. We didn't see it coming. Right. So we didn't have enough. Uh, 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 one of the things that we that we that contributed to our decline was our volunteerism. Uh, we had, our volunteer pool wasn't strong. It, our volunteer pool was uh, weak. And then our committed gi givers began to go down. So slowly our committed givers began to go down. Our attendance was slowly uh, increasing, but our committed givers just slowly went down. You know, not drastically bad, but down to the point where we couldn't afford that larger space anymore. Again, like I said, then the pandemic hit. And uh, that not only affected our church, but it also affected our, a lot of our individual lives. That's going to be part, the secondary thing. I'm, uh, uh, when I say us, I mean our secondary lives. Okay. So, but first I'm talking about the church. So in our individual lives, the pandemic affected us. It affected the church. You know, we can no longer have church in person anymore. So we had to move everything to online. Um, and then what happened when we moved everything to online, because we wasn't meeting in, per in person anymore, you know, we got, all got a little comfortable in that, in that place. But it also affected our giving. Our, our giving began to drop off even more. Our numbers began to drop off even more. You know, some of those troubles, they have slowly gone away. They slowly gone, I mean, some of the troubles of the pandemic and what have you have slowly gone away. But we still, you know, we still are feeling the devastation of the troubles that we went through over the last, what, three years now, right? Three years now. For three years, we, it's, been, it's been hard on all of us. It's been hard on this world. It's been hard on this, this country, on our community, on our personal lives. It's been hard on Crosstown Church for three years. You know, they say uh, history shows that uh, uh, most major pandemics last about three years. Mm -hmm. OK, so we're at that place of, of coming out. So even though things are slowly gotten better, it seems we're at a better place right now. People are still feeling the impact and the devastation of those troubles through over those over the last three years. And Crosstown Church is not exempt from that. Right. 
Um, it's been hard trying to get people to go back to in-person church. We've been we've been trying for a year at least to try to get people to come back to in-person church, but that's been a struggle. So I just stopped. I stopped trying to do it. And so we've been doing in-person once a month, you know, for a year now. Mm -hmm. uh, we've been doing in-person once a month, you know, um, and 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 now, you know, uh, we're back. Uh, 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 our attendance, our volunteerism, our giving in the midst of us where we're at not right now, our giving, our attendance, our volunteerism, it still hasn't changed. It hasn't rebounded yet. It hasn't increased yet. You know, it's still at a, at a, at a not so good place. So when I say I can't no more, I ain't saying I, I, I can't no more. I'm fed up. My heart is broken. I cannot stand by and watch this anymore. I have to do something about it. I must do something about it. Amen. So right now, I want to stop for just a moment and I want to pray. So let's let us all pray. I want you all to join me. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we love you so much and we give you honor and praise for all things. Lord, you are the God of heaven. You are the God of creation. You are our father. You are a heavenly father. And Lord, we give you thanks and we give you honor and we give you praise. Father, we... Um, uh, have been dealing with some hard times lately. And we don't have to go back and explain all that to you because you know exactly the hard times that we've been experiencing. But Father, there's some, some of these things are, are you know, our faults. Not all of this is our fault, but some of it, we all, we all have a, a role to play. We all have some things that we have to give account for. And so Father, right now, I just confess our sins to you right now. And I ask that you forgive us. Lord, the things that we have not been doing that we should have been doing, we ask that you forgive us. The things that we've been doing that we should not be doing, we ask that you forgive us, Father. Help us to position ourselves in a way, Father, that we can be pleasing to you, Father, and that we can make a difference. And so, Father, right now, we're asking you to give us, or, or, or Father, I just want to say that there were promises that you made to us far long before we moved to Memphis. And Father, those promises have not left yet. Those promises, Father, that you gave us is still a reality. There are signs of it still existing today, right now in this very moment. And we want to thank you for those promises, Father. And there, there are other promises that still that haven't come yet, but we know and we have faith and we trust in you that those things will come, those promises will come. come. But we realize and we know that we have a responsibility. We have a work to do. So we ask that you give us favor, Father, with those that would assist us and help us to do the work that you have called us to do. Yes. And we'll be careful to give you all the honor, the praise, and the glory for all things. It's in your son Jesus' name. Amen. 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 After Nehemiah received the blessing and the favor from God, and 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 now, uh, and also from the king, the king of Persia, he set out to Jerusalem. He went to Jerusalem. And when he got there, he got there, it was nighttime and he started to inspect the damage of the city. He started to inspect the damage of the wall, the great wall that surrounded the city. Um, and he did all this at nighttime. And then the next morning when the daylight came up, he goes to the officials of the city and he talks to them and he tells them that the king of Persia sent him there to help uh, to rebuild the city, to help organize and to rebuild the city. He tells them that he has access to supplies. He has access to, to lumber. He has access to all types of building supplies from, from uh, surrounding cities 
that people that the king of Persia sent letters to these cities and said, hey, make a donation to them, help them. Rip. He said, look, guys, I got some supplies. I got some donations. He said, the king of Persia sent me here. He said, I got some soldiers here. They're going to help us. They're going to help keep us safe in the midst of all this as well. You know, hey, we got we got a plan. He said, we, we can we can we're going we're gonna to start by fixing the wall. That's the first thing we're going to do. We're going to start by fixing the wall. In chapter two, verse number eight, 18, after uh, Nehemiah is telling the officials this, this is what happens. They replied at once. They replied without hesitation. They said, yes, let's rebuild the wall. So they began the good work. That's what the scripture says. The scripture says, so they began the good work. I remind you that the title of this series is Let the Good Work Begin. We, so I want to ask you today, just being an everyday, ordinary person, are you ready to begin the good work? Are you fed up? Is your heart broken? Are, are you ready to do something about our situation? Are you, you you're just a ordinary everyday everyday person just like Nehemiah just like me we're all just ordinary people but God specializes in using us he has used us up until this point and he's willing and ready and committed to continue to use us and but there's more there's more there's more there's more there's more we are are you ready to make a difference are you ready to do something to impact this city to impact other cities to impact where you are do something that will last forever if you are let's respond like the officials responded to nehemiah let us say yes let's rebuild there's some rebuilding that we need to do when it comes to crosstown church of memphis we got off to a great start we we, we started building we was experiencing success we started we, we experienced some some tragedies or not tragedies but some 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 obstacles some decline in that you know but guess what we're at a place now where it's time to rebuild are you ready to say yes let's rebuild let's begin the good work so here's some good news here's some good news all right this is not all gloomy here's some good news god still remembers the promises that he made to us he still remembers the promises that he made to us. Promises that he made to us when we were in Des Moines. Promises that he made to us when we came here. Promises that he made to us that I shared with you all. Those promises, he still remembers them. Here we are. We're now having in-person church once a month at Crosstown Concourse, which was something that God promised to us long before we came to Memphis. Amen. Yes. And here, that promise is being realized. We're, we're now, we just made the decision this week. I had a meeting with you guys this past week. I contacted our, our rental source here. And um, what we, what I shared with you guys, I went to them, I asked for them, and they gave them to me. So that's an announcement today, man. Give God some praise. Some people don't know what you're talking and, about on here. Oh, some people don't know what I'm talking about. Okay, so if you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, there was an opportunity. We just meeting once a month uh, here at Crosstown Concourse and having service here. Uh, but there was an opportunity to increase the numbers. And we went to them and we asked them for specific numbers or specific dates to increase our services. So what we're doing is in the month of September, we're going to go to two Sundays uh, in person. October, we're going to go to two Sundays. November, I believe November, we got all of them. All of them. 
December. Uh, December, we got all of them except for one. And that's the one that we're going to be doing a couples retreat. So we're not going to do it. Yeah, we're not going to do service on that day because we we won't be able to make it back in time. But everything, basically what I asked for, I got it. What we talked about, we got it. Just like Nehemiah went to the king and said, he asked God for favor. God gave him favor. He went to the king. He made his request. I went to I went to them and I said, hey, this is can we have this? And they said, yes, you can have it. Amen. Amen. So we're, we're, we're increasing. So those things that we asked for, we got them. Our opportunity, our opportunity for growth is at our fingertips. It's at our fingertips. There are, so there are three primary things that we need to do. Three primary things. So with this opportunity that we have at our fingertips, it's our choice to take advantage of it and do something about it or not. And, 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 and because I, I believe in the promises that God made to us, I got to do something about it. I got to do something about it. So here's three primary things that we need right now to let the work begin. And I'm going to ask you to step out on faith, to do something, to make this happen. And that is this, enclosure. We need everyone to be willing and committed to being givers so that we can financially support the work of our mission. That's number one. Number two, we need everyone to be willing and committed to be volunteering or to volunteering to help do the work that's necessary to run this ministry. Nehemiah needed resources. He asked the king, and they, they got the resources. He needed volunteers. He got volunteers. He went to the officials and said, hey, here's a plan. We, we're off to a start. What, what y'all want to do? They said, let's do it. So we need people to help us or be committed financially. We need people to help uh, with volunteering to do the work that's at hand. And we also need people to be willing and committed to prayer. Those are the three things that we need. If we do those things right there, that is going to give us a great start, a great start to do that. Amen. To take advantage of this opportunity that we have at our fingertips. The promises that God made to us are being revealed. Amen. Chapter two, verse 20. When those officials said to Nehemiah, they said, yes, they said, yes, let's do this. And they said, let the good work begin. Okay, Nehemiah replied, the God of heaven will help us succeed. So I say to you, if you do this, God will help us to succeed. If this message was a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry in a financial way, you can donate electronically by texting to 84321 and enter the dollar amount you'd like to donate in the message area. Or you can mail a check or money order to Crosstown Church of Memphis, P.O. Box 40981, Memphis, Tennessee, 38104. We invite you to visit our website at www.wearecrosstown.com for more information about our church. Join us for our next broadcast next Sunday at 10 a.m. Be blessed and be better.